Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation made a promise to ensure we never forget. Since then, Tunnel to Towers has been committed to supporting America's heroes and their families. Heroes like U.S. Army Specialist Michael Hook. Hook was killed in Iraq when his helicopter was shot down. He enlisted in the military after graduating high school and left behind a pregnant fiancé who gave birth to a son that he would never meet. But thanks to the generosity of friends like you, Tunnel to Towers paid off the mortgage on his family's home, relieving a financial burden and bringing stability. The foundation helps Gold Star and Fallen First Responder families, as well as our nation's most severely injured heroes and homeless veterans. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. America's heroes are counting on you. 95 cents of every dollar you give goes directly to its programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices our heroes have made for us. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for for more details. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. My days working, taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out Care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, and get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. China's largest city is entering a second week of strict lockdown rules during which residents have been locked in their homes and forced to endure shortages of food and basic necessities. The insane policy remains in place, even though officials announced only 1,000 symptomatic cases of COVID on Sunday. This is a firsthand look at the craziness of a zero COVID policy. And make no mistake, there are a lot of people here in the U.S. who wish America would follow suit in some ways. Friends, it is time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. It's crazy what's going on right now in Shanghai, a city of over 20 million people. Here you can see there are finally protests. Uh, folks are fed up, and many of them aren't getting fed enough, if you will. They are not able to even leave their homes to go get food. This lockdown is extreme, and people in China, in Shanghai, are recognizing that the state authority here, even for a communist country like China, is way overboard. This is completely bonkers. And it's a reminder that here we are two years into the pandemic, and no surprise, but we're watching the continuation 
of the authoritarian power struggle that's been going on since the very beginning. Right, this is an enormous, an enormous challenge going forward that we have to meet. We cannot allow these countries, whether it's China or the U.S., others, to pretend that any lockdowns, any lockdowns made sense, were a good idea. Uh, and of course, the reason we have to look at this is because they can never be replicated again. That's the main thing we have to avoid here because they want to do it. And we see in China, they're doing it. Here in the U.S., there's already talk, we'll get into it in a moment, about additional mitigation restrictions, pivoting and all that. No, we should be done with this. I'm sorry, Libs, you were wrong about everything. You're not as smart as you think you are. You can't read data well. You're irrational. You need help. And you need to stop making the rest of us live in your crazy town. The National Bureau of Economic Research ranks the best and worst states in COVID response based on health outcome, economic performance throughout the pandemic, and impact on education. I was looking at this study today, actually spoke to one of the authors on radio, and guess what? When you look at the states that did the best, when you look at all factors, Utah, Nebraska, Vermont, Montana, South Dakota, Florida. Now, it's really interesting that Florida's on that list because it's a state with about 20 million residents with a lot of cities in it. So it's a population-dense and large population state that just so happens to make it into the top 10. The state that did the worst when you add up all factors, mortality, economy, etc. Illinois, California, New Mexico, New York, Washington, D.C., New Jersey. That's right. The Democrat blue strongholds did the worst of the state. Two years in, folks. That's what the data actually says. That's what, you, what a bunch of data scientists looking at it were able to come up with. And if they're wrong, I want someone to explain how or why. I'd like to know. Meanwhile, we're still living in this Looney Tunes world of Democrats who think that we should have some mask mandate policy in effect in some places, but very, very few airplanes, which are actually among the safest congregate settings, as Fauci says, because of their incredibly uh, technologically advanced air filters that are on those planes, are not a place where you should be worried about getting COVID. But Biden's COVID advisor, Dr. Ashish Jha, is out there saying they may actually keep the plane mask, mask mandate going for another month and maybe another one after that. Watch. Let me just uh, ask you, Dr. Jha, does yep. that mean that extending the mask mandate in public transportation is a live option? It's on the table? Yeah, I, I look, this is a CDC decision, uh, and uh, I think it is absolutely on the table. And, and Dr. Walensky is going to make uh, her decision based on, on the framework that the CDC scientists create, and, and we'll make a decision uh, collectively based on that. Make a decision collectively. Wait, I thought he said it's a CDC decision. It's actually a White House decision, okay? We need to stop allowing them to play these games. The CDC is an advisory body within the federal government when it comes to the White House. It's the White House, the executive branch, the president, who gets to make the final say on this. So if you got a mask up on planes like idiots for another month, blame Biden. It's not the bureaucrats who get to play this game of, oh, we're not in charge. The White House is in charge. Oh, no, the White House isn't in charge. The bureaucrats are in charge. The buck stops with Biden. And if he extends this, it should be held against the Democrats. They're completely insane. How are you going to stop COVID when you're only masking up? First of all, masking doesn't stop COVID. Start with that. But even beyond that, how would you stop it? Even theoretically, if masks work, when you're only masking people up for, what, 
one day, two days of their month? I mean, how much do people actually even fly? It's so dumb. And then there's, of course, more of the hypocrisy that we've come to expect from Democrats around all this. Here's Jen Psaki explaining that, you know, Vice President Harris was recently indoors and there was a congregate setting and she was unmasked. But you see, it was an important day and she was doing important stuff and the masks are really for peasants anyway. Watch. Question. You said on Friday that um, the vice president was masked indoors all day, but the White House tweeted a video showing her standing over the president without a mask on. Can you explain what happened there? Well, I would say that the vice president and the president and all of us abide by what the CDC protocols are. It was an emotional day. It was a historic day. And there were moments when she was not wearing a mask inside, including in a photo, but she was wearing it 99.9% of the time. Is that a, is that a uh, scientific data point there, 99.9%? Really, does she know that? Also, does the mask say, okay, you most, I'm mean, sorry, does the virus rather say, you mostly masked up today, so I'm not going to spread while you're just breathing into the air with this incredibly infectious uh, virus, the Omicron BA2 variant now. Mm, no. And then, this is another one. Why does Biden wear a mask outdoors? The real answer, just to be clear, is that this is now a little symbol of Democrat compliance. I'm a progressive. I'm so smart. I wear a mask outside. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. It's idiotic. And you look stupid doing it, Biden. And anybody else who's masking up, up, masking up outside, you look dumb. It's not science. It's political tribalism. Oh, look at me. I wear a mask outside. I'm so smart. Jen Psaki was asked about why Biden does this. Here's what she said. And then just on the, on, um, the president was photographed over the weekend in Washington, D.C., wearing a mask. Um, I just wanted to, if you could go through like, when he masks and when he doesn't. Um, it, would it appear that he did not have a close contact, but correct me if that's wrong? He did not, but we all make decisions. Some people in here are wearing masks to wear masks to make them uh, more comfortable or because they chose to that day, or maybe they're going to be around family members or people who may be immunocompromised or vulnerable and President makes that decision, as, as we all do as well. Yeah, you know, Biden wears masks outdoors sometimes. You know, it makes you more comfortable. Wait, I thought you were a, um, a grandma killer if you weren't masking up. Now it's just, you know, whatever makes you comfortable. Disgraceful. They have no principles. These people are so shameless. Libs are the absolute bleeping worst. They really are. And the worst of all is Fauci. You know, Philadelphia just reinstituted, just today, reinstituted the city of Philadelphia, its indoor mask mandate. Here's Fauci saying, oh yeah, there's more of that coming. But the idea that we're gonna see an uptick, I think people need to appreciate that that's the case and follow the CDC guidelines. Because remember, when the metrics were put forth, the new metrics, looking at the guidance of masking, it was said that if we do start seeing an uptick, particularly of hospitalizations, we may need to revert back to being more careful and having more utilizations of masks indoor. But right now, we're watching it very, very carefully. Oh, yes, we're watching the data, and we can really determine things. And if we have to, we're going to do something that doesn't work. We all know this now. We've known it for a long time. <sighs> They're finding out the hard way in China what happens when reason and accountability just get lit on fire and nobody cares. Protests have broken out in China's largest city after weeks of extreme lockdowns, you know, what Fauci wants, have led to food shortages. we got Gordon Chang joining us. We come back to talk about this. Right now, I want to talk to you about our newest sponsor to hold the line, The Silencer Shop. 
As you all know, I'm a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. For many gun owners, using a suppressor is a must. Suppressors protect your hearing and the hearing of those around you. But there's another benefit a lot of people don't know about. Shooting with a suppressor improves your accuracy because it minimizes recoil. Here in America, it's the right of the people to keep and bear arms, and suppressors are legal in 43 states. If you want to practice safe, accurate shooting through the best way to get your suppressor, or rather the best way to get your suppressor, is through the silencer shop. Here's the best part. Silencer Shop has made compliance with firearms laws fast and easy by setting up over 1,200 kiosks around the country to make the process simple and painless. They have a variety of suppressors starting at just $365. My friends at Silencer Shop are the industry leader for suppressors. They're a Texas-based company that excels at customer service. Each phone call, email, direct message, or comment is answered promptly, and they treat you like family. Their customer reviews are amazing. On Trustpilot, Silencer Shop has an average ranking of 4.9 out of 5 stars, and that's based on over 25,000 reviews, so you know they can be trusted. You can get more details online at the Silencer Shop website. Just go to silencershop.com or on Instagram at instagram.com slash silencershop. Shop now at the silencershop.com. They make silencer ownership simple. That's silencershop.com for your suppressor needs. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. There's a battle going on right now that may be the most important fight our country's had since the Revolutionary War. Once again, it's about our freedom. People like you and me are being canceled, our speech increasingly censored by big tech and corporate media. Can't let that happen. Time to fight back. Please stand with us and support The First TV. Be a part of our team dedicated to preserving the very essence of who we are, free Americans. In a rare show of defiance against the Chinese Communist Party, the people of Shanghai have taken to the streets to protest the party's extreme lockdown measures. The city of 26 million people has been locked down since March 28th, and many residents are now facing shortages of food and basic necessities. The Communist Party is taking steps to maintain control of the city, deploying the military to patrol the streets as unrest grows. So what the heck is happening in Shanghai, and what does it mean for the Chinese Communist Party? Joining me now is the author of the great U.S.-China tech war, Gordon Chang. Please follow him on Twitter, at Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, good to see you. Good to see you, Buck. Thank you so much. So can you first tell everybody so they understand, this is a real lockdown. What, what is going on in Shanghai, just so everyone understands the parameters of what's, what's happening in a city of over 20 million? Yeah, what's happening is that the initial lockdowns, um, which were supposed to be five days apiece, five days for the eastern part of the city, and then five days for the western part of the city, have now been extended to the entire city indefinitely. And nobody knows when this is going to end. And this is extremely strict because people cannot leave their apartments. Um, people right now um, don't have food. People are denied access to, for instance, prescription medicines. Children have been separated from their parents, but now they are allowed to go back together again after an incredible protest against this. And we are seeing on Weibo, which is the Chinese version of Twitter, um, a numerous incidents of people just defying the COVID restrictions because they can't put up with it anymore. And, and just how extreme are the restrictions? I mean, I'm, I've seen some headlines suggest that, that people essentially can't leave their homes. Is, is it really for almost any reason, right? I mean, even to get food? I, I saw a video that was purportedly people rioting outside of a grocery store because they couldn't get food. I mean, what, what are the rules? The rules are you can't leave your apartment for any reason. Uh, and in some cases, there are these videos of the guys in the white suits, it's called white terror right now, actually boarding up a person's home in an apartment 
Um, China's also um, developed and built these mass quarantine facilities, which actually I think are probably responsible for spreading the disease rather than containing it, because people are not allowed to, for instance, um, quarantine at home. So these are the strictest measures possible. Now, the government has said that they are trying to provide food along with the food delivery companies, but a lot of people have not been able to get basic necessities. Gordon, on Sunday, Shanghai reported 26,000 cases of COVID, but only about 900 of them have showed any symptoms. So that means there are tens of thousands of people with COVID right now in Shanghai who are fine. What, what, is, the, what is the game plan here? I mean, what are they... They're, they're doing a shutdown like this for what? The virus will still be there if, the, if and when they open back up, right? So what are they being told the purpose of all this is? Well, the purpose that they're told is that uh, they're trying to prevent, uh, prohibit any sort of transmission of the disease. China has what's known as a dynamic zero COVID policy, um, which is intended to stop the disease in its tracks. And, and because of China's inability to produce vaccines that work against Omicron BA2, which is a subvariant that is now ripping through Shanghai and the rest of China, they believe that isolation is their only source of um, prevention. One thing, Buck, you asked, who is this being done for? Actually, this is being done for only one individual. That's Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler. He's considered to be the author of China's COVID policies. And he wants a precedent-breaking third term as general secretary of the Communist Party, um, which would normally um, be awarded or decided uh, at the end of this year if uh, the schedule holds. And so nobody can criticize this zero COVID policy and really live to regret it. So right now, um, China's going through these extraordinary measures, which don't make any sense at all, except they make sense for one individual who hopes to become dictator for life. I mean, it definitely seems, Gordon, like with some of the videos out there, I'm sure you saw the drones flying in the sky telling residents of Shanghai to suppress their heart's desire for freedom. There's also now video circulating of people shrieking out their windows. Windows are all supposed to be locked, by the way, in Shanghai, saying essentially, I think it's some version of, you know, I, I want to die or I don't want to live anymore or something like that because they're so ups upset about what's going on. I mean, you've been saying for a long time, and it feels like this is really being distilled into a reality we can all see. This is true totalitarianism. I mean, this this could be an addendum, an additional chapter to Orwell's 1984. Yes, well, China, even apart from these COVID lockdowns, was moving to semi-totalitarianism with the social credit system, the Great Firewall, um, perhaps 300 million surveillance cameras. The number is a subject to some dispute. But the point is that China was really going to full control of individuals. We are seeing this, of course, in the COVID lockdowns, not just in Shanghai, but in Xi'an before that. Now, Guangzhou, the capital of Guangdong province, the province that surrounds Hong Kong, the heart of the Chinese factory sector, is going to be locked down in similar fashion, it appears. Um, this is politically driven right now. And the Chinese people, you know, when, when you look at this Chinese society, it's always turbulent because of the coercion. It sort of suppresses people. And so they boil underneath. And now we're seeing it bubble to the surface because people have decided that uh, they're mad as hell and they're not going to take it anymore, to borrow a reference from uh, the movie network. How, how by the way, uh, how well, Gordon, has the, and I know, of course, we're reading uh, between the lines a lot here. There's a lot of propaganda and, and, you know, BS coming out of China about everything. 
but they have their own vaccine. I, how, how well did they do with that vaccine from what we can tell? And, and at what rate do they purport to be vaccinated at this point in China? China produced five vaccines, um, but only really two of them are being administered. The ones by Sinovac and Sinopharm, um, they were never terribly effective to start out with. They're not mRNA, they're inactivated virus, um, but they are not effective at all against Omicron BA2. So right now, China feels that um, you know, even though you do have vaccination rates that are high for people who are not elderly, um, uh, right now, this is a very bad situation for Beijing. They have prohibited the importation of Pfizer and Moderna. And that's, I think, because of political reasons. Um, it goes to the whole issue of politics. Um, China tried to make um, its control of the virus a matter of legitimacy. So they couldn't import foreign vaccines or foreign therapeutics. Uh, Gordon, how long do you think they're going to do this, this lockdown in Shanghai? And is your expectation that the country is going to go through, because Omicron is, I mean, everyone's kind of realizing there's new variants, there's going to be new spikes all over the world. This is reality. No matter how vaccinated a country may be, there's still COVID floating around. Uh, are they just going to go into a series of rolling extreme lockdowns, at least until the end of this year, as you said, so that Xi Jinping can get what he wants? You know, I think so, Buck. You know, I've been surprised by the severity of the rules in Shanghai. I didn't think that they were going to do that. Um, and so I was taken um, back by the severity of what they have been doing. Um, and, and I think that, you know, right now, um, anything really is possible because you now have these outbreaks around the country, uh, all over China. So it's not just Shanghai. And that means that Xi Jinping probably believes that he's got to continue with his zero COVID policy because from a political point of view, his own personal point of view, there's no other uh, alternative. Gordon, always appreciate the expertise. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much, Buck. Okay, so switching gears here. Moscow has announced it is appointing a new general to lead its efforts in Ukraine. A man whose past operations have led to so many civilian deaths, he's been nicknamed the Butcher. Good God. We'll have more on that with the Heritage Foundation's Jim Carafano in a moment. Okay, let's talk about protecting your home for a second here. Look, you know me, I'm skeptical by nature. When I first heard about home title theft and the idea that thieves can literally steal your home, I was like, come on, can some cyber criminal really forge my name off the title of my home and take over as the new owner? Turns out, yeah, they can. It's not as rare as you'd think either. According to the FBI, this crime is growing faster than credit card fraud, and you're not covered by homeowners insurance or common identity theft programs. Home Title Lock has earned my trust. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone tampering with your home's title, they mobilize to help shut it down. Here's what I urge you to do. Number one, go to HomeTitleLock.com and read the testimonials from FBI agents and government officials so you see how serious this is. And number two, register your home address to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it. When you protect your home, tell them Buck Sexton sent you to get my listener discount. HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be right back with Jim Carafano. It's day 47 of the war in Ukraine, and parts of the country are now bracing for a major assault by the Russians. After their retreat out of Kyiv, Putin's army appointed a new top commander who experts say is nothing short of a butcher. General Alexander Dvornikov is known for slaughtering innocent women and children in Syria, and some military analysts 
see his appointment as a chilling indication the war would be entering a brutal new phase soon. Joining me now with the latest Vice President of the Heritage Foundation and retired Lieutenant Colonel in the Army, James Carafano. James, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks. I, I know you're going to want projections, but you know, I was in the military for 25 years and you've been around war zones and it's it's always a chancy thing, but I think we're seeing the, the three things come together. Um, there are obvious signs that there's going to be a new offensive. They they pulled out of the north. So if you look at those maps and it's got the, the yellow and the red, you know, they're all gone from up around Kiev. And it's very clear they're going to reposition those forces. I, I don't know how long that was. it's going to take for an offensive because that's going to take them a while to get those guys ready to go again. And they've got a new commander and they're probably going to have a new plan. They're going to be going t into the teeth of, of Ukraine's defenses from, from before, from 2014. Um, so it looks, one, that Putin wants at least one more offensive before May 9th, which is uh, Victory Day in the Great Patriotic War and in World War II for the Russians, very symbolic. Um, the, the other two things going on, you already kind of mentioned one of them, is they continue these indiscriminate campaigns of killing civilians all over the country. I, I think that's part of a pressure campaign to just get the the um, the Ukrainians tired of war and willing to quit. And then the third thing that nobody really talks about is it looks like hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians have been forcibly repatriated to Russia. Those are bargaining chips. So if you add those things up, what it looks like, kind of sounds like, is Putin is setting up for possibly ending the conflict, and but having you know in his hands lots of things that he can use to pressure and uh, bargain with against the Ukrainians. What do we know about this new commander that's being reported on a lot in the last 24 hours or so, Alexander Dvornikov? I mean, they call him the butcher. That's obviously not good. No, but um, I mean, first of all, do we need yet another Russian commander who has no regard for human life and innocence and the rules and laws of war? So I'm not sure that makes him, maybe he's, I'm not sure he's dramatically better at this than other people, but the other thing is, is um, it doesn't matter who the general is, you've still got the same forces. You know, if you right. if you think about, you know, the, the American Civil War, we kept replacing our generals and getting the same results on the battlefield. Um, there's been no additional training, you know, no additional capabilities. So are, do we really expect we're gonna get dramatically different performance out of the Russian military just because we swapped the generals out in, sh in the short term? If it was months or years, I'd say maybe, but just in a couple of days and weeks? I mean, Jim, do you think the Russian army going to, don't do your point here, you know, I mean, I still think the Russian, I mean, the, pardon me, the Rumsfeld comment from a long time ago is you get a war with the army you have, and you, you, it's true, you fight a war with the army you have too. Does the Russian army still have enough gas in the tank, so to speak? I mean, does the Russian army have it in it to have a major offensive that could really consolidate territory in the east, or are they so battered that that's going to be too challenging for them? Well, um, we don't we don't know. They, 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 it looks like they've got enough for another offensive. How much they're actually going to be able to take and consolidate that remains to be seen. Certainly, there's <clears throat> excuse me, very unlikely that that they're going to drive from the east across the country and make some dramatic offensive. That doesn't seem in, in the books, but um, but who knows? But again, the, the Ukrainians are also repositioning and preparing for this. But you know, the thing about the Russian military, which is the one thing I think we really have to walk away from here is Putin has demonstrated they're really good at two things. They can kill a lot of innocent unarmed civilians and destroy their lives and livelihoods. So if you're a frontline NATO state, the message you take away from this war is, oh, 
you know, we can fight Putin's army. No, the message you take away from this war is that Putin attacks us, he's gonna level our cities. And so if we wanna take that off the table, regardless of what happens in Ukraine, going forward, we have to have a forward defense of NATO, not a tripwire, you know, you attack us and we'll get mad, but the capability to say, anybody crosses that blue line in NATO, they die. And we can protect our cities and our territory and our people. Because if we can't do that, then, then we'll have squandered this. And let's not forget, when Putin gets done here, he's not gonna be able to invade anybody anytime soon. He's gonna have to rest and reset. That could be months or even years. We need to use that time to really build up the NATO capabilities. So we're, we're ready for him next time. How do you think the Ukrainian forces uh, are, are looking right now? I mean, I, I've seen that there are a lot of people that entered Ukraine, there are even some Americans, right, who have entered to fight alongside the Ukrainians uh, in that country. And they've certainly bloodied the Russians more than was anticipated, right? I, I think that's a lot of the early stage stuff, it seemed like we might, you don't wanna get ahead of where the actual reality is, right? There's fog of war reporting going on for sure. Does seem though like they're a more cohesive and durable fighting force than, than certainly Putin anticipated. Uh, are we seeing them gain in capability over time on the Ukrainian side? I mean, how do you assess their, their ability to keep this fight going? Well, I, I, to be honest with you, I think they've got the same weaknesses they've, they've always had. I mean, they're still gonna struggle um, to defend their airspace. They're, they're still gonna struggle to stop missiles and artillery. And they can do very effective counterattacks um, and, and very effective tactical operations. But part of the Russian problem, excuse me, was what's called ISR, Intelligence Surveillance Reconnaissance. The Ukrainians really don't have much better capability at that than the Russians. So when they can defend, but when they go to attack, they're gonna have the same kind of limitations the Russians had. What's the best stuff that we, I mean, is intelligence support along with the munitions and weapons specifically, Jim, that we have been giving? And it should be noted, I've been giving for a long time. I mean, I remember the debates during the Trump administration about sending those, the first tranches, if you will, of the javelins and the, and the and sniper rifles and other things that the Obama administration didn't want to do, which I think is also worth reminding everybody about because they thought it'd be too provocative to Putin. But, I mean, given a lot of guns, given a lot of stuff to fight back with, is there another level of assistance beyond what we've already done that would really make a difference short of, of course, no-fly zone, U.S. planes in the sky, et cetera? Right. Well, I think in the short term, <coughs> excuse me, I think in the short term, it's just more of the same. Longer term is, you, the only thing that's gonna prevent this from happening, again, is Ukraine has to be able to defend itself and demonstrate it can defend itself, whether it's in or out of NATO. So we need to think about the more sophisticated weapons that will allow them to control airspace, control their territory, that <clears throat> they may um, they may take months uh, to get the capabilities, but also the logistics and the training to operate that. But we need to start thinking about that now, because this is the, the problem. Last, If we had done many of the things we're doing now a year ago, Putin might have never attacked to begin with. And, and so people are saying, oh, well, okay, now, okay, but what, if you want Ukraine to be able to defend itself a year from now, two years from now, three years from now against a rebuilt and rearmed Russian military, we need to stop thinking about how we're gonna build out the logistics footprint, the, those defense capabilities the more uh, today. And also, you know, we're, we're giving them a lot of stuff. They're burning through that stuff. All that stuff coming out of NATO stockpiles, all that's gotta be replaced. With, with something or something better. So like the Slovakians 
gave them S300s. We're going to give the Slovakians a, a battery of uh, Patriots. But, you know, we're pushing tanks and, and maybe even MiGs at some point. You know, if you're going to replace those with like F-16, that's going to take months and years. And the sooner we get started on that, the more we're going to be ahead of Putin and getting ready for the next war. And if we don't want the next war, the key to not having the next war is to get ahead of him so we can we can prevent it from happening by deterring yeah, him. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, we, we didn't stop it the first time. Maybe we could stop it the second time because it does seem like he may be coming back for a second round at some point in the future, however this first round ends. Jim, appreciate you being with us. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. We talk a lot about how wokeness is infecting every part of our pop culture, but now it appears even Beethoven, the you know German composer, genius, not safe from the far left. Coming up, Heather McDonald explains how the wokeness is going after even my beloved Beethoven. First, let's talk about protecting your online data. A lot of companies say your privacy is guaranteed. We know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. Privacy is a big issue. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mine your data and never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone with total confidence you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. Go to secure.com today and take back your privacy. $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combo. S-E-K-U-R.com. Use promo code BUCK, that's B-U-C-K, for 25% off. We'll be right back with more. Hold the line. It's not just Disney who's made the decision to go woke. Even Beethoven isn't safe from the far-left agenda these days. The Baltimore Symphony Orchestra recently announced that a poem by Baltimore-based rapper Wordsmith will replace Friedrich Schiller's Ode to Joy in the orchestra's performance of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. The Manhattan Institute's Heather McDonald writes in the City Journal that Wordsmith has explained his goals in the rewriting to use present-day social issues to highlight the need for positive reinforcement encouraging gender equality, cultural acceptance, and living a purpose-driven life. Leave it to the left to take one of the most beautiful pieces of music ever written, arguably, and transform it into a vehicle for wokeness, of course. Joining me now is somebody who sees this for what it is, fellow at the Manhattan Institute and author of The Diversity Delusion, Heather McDonald. Heather, thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Buck. Great to be with you. So just tell everybody first off, how did we get to this point exactly? What what are they doing now to Beethoven's Ninth? We got to this because there's not a single institution of Western civilization that is not coming under attack for the demographic reality of the West and Europe, which is that it was predominantly white. All you need to do if you're a member of the New York Times or the Washington Post or CNN to discredit an institution, a tradition or an individual is to point out that that, that person or institution is white. Beethoven uh, was one of the greatest composers, arguably by some lights, the greatest composer in world history, but he happens to be white. So he must come down, uh, a work that has given inspiration to billions across the globe in its paean to freedom, to human togetherness, to brotherhood, drawing upon not just Beethoven, but one of the great German philosophers and poets and dramatists, Friedrich Schiller, uh, now is being rendered asunder. The, the integrity of this work, which is a, a precious moment in the evolution of Western art, 
is being torn apart and we have a incredibly insipid, woke-driven poem by a Baltimore-based rapper put in the place of one of the great poems by Friedrich Schiller. Heather, we have some of the uh, altered lyrics to Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Uh, the, the original reads, world, do you know your creator? Seek him in the starry canopy. Above the stars must he dwell. They have changed this to positive vibes for an ode to joy. Rise, oh rise, be the voice of change. We must show more empathy. That's a word I know that people like to use a lot on the left these days. Got to show more empathy. What do you think? And that's how he ends his poem. It is the most flat ending possible. Schiller, the Beethoven excerpt, moves up into the heavens. It's a sublime, ecstatic moment. Uh, wordsmith ends like out of some sort of corporate diversity training. You know, the thing is, Marin Alsop, the conductor of the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, has said, well, uh, Schiller is no longer relevant for today. Oh, please. Uh, the, the signal trait of today is narcissism. People believe that they only want to hear about themselves. They only want to experience their own idiom. The, the value of art, Buck, is to allow us to escape our petty, narrow selves and enter a world that is no longer ours. Admittedly, nobody writes poetry like Friedrich Schiller today. It is an elevated register. It is sublime. It is uh, highly idealistic. And that is precisely why we should be keeping it intact. And because for one reason, Beethoven chose Schiller, not Wordsworth. I mean, that should end the conversation there. But if you want to go further and have to justify it, Schiller takes us out of ourselves into an 18th century enlightenment view of art, of human experience. And that should, is something precious to us. Instead, we want to destroy the past and only babble incessantly about Black Lives Matter in a rap-infused idiom. I mean, this is so narrow. It is the opposite of diversity. It is the opposite of difference. It is the opposite of tolerance. It is an assistance on monomaniacal sameness. By the way, it's not just the great classics of uh, the Western canon of music that are changing to fit in with wokeness these days, Heather. Uh, some of the better-known snack companies out there have also gotten in on this. I don't know if you've seen this. I wanted to show it to you. The popular snack company Frito-Lay has jumped on the woke train with a new addition to the family of snacks uh, known as uh, the Cracker Jack. Check this one out. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker gel. No one can stop you if you have the will to less. Hmm. <laughs> yes, now I feel so empowered as a female. The idea that any female today is being held back by the name Cracker Jack is utterly delusional. It's utterly delusional. These are these these facile symbolic gestures uh, to try and divert attention from the real problems. I would say the biggest problem in America today is inner city violence, uh, the, the ongoing racial achievement gap uh, that is not a product of racism, it's a product of cultural problems. Uh, but, but now we have these, these notions that, oh yeah, you play a rap music instead of, instead of Schiller's Ode and Beethoven Ninth or change Cracker Jack to Cracker Jill, and, and, and somehow you've made some meaningful intervention in racial or social inequality. That's just, it's, it's, a, it's absurd. These, these 
instincts are based on hatred for a civilization deemed too white and too male. Heather, you know, you may have seen today, speaking of uh, inner city violence, the Biden administration uh, has announced an initiative to go after uh, what they call ghost guns or the ability to build guns at home with a kit. Uh, you follow the statistics on crime and on gun violence specifically very closely. Is, is this going to do anything? I mean, not, not even will it do a lot. I, obviously, it's not going to do a lot. Is it going to do anything, though, to bring down crime in inner cities in any city? No. Uh, the states with the highest rates of, of legal gun ownership, Vermont, for example, have the lowest crime. Uh, the, cro the guns are not the problem. Illegal guns are to a certain extent the problem, but the real problem is the breakdown of the family in inner city areas. These mass shootings, the Sacramento shooting, this was a, this was a gang uh, retaliatory shooting. These are kids and young people that have not been civilized by their parents. They grow up overwhelmingly in single parent homes, multiple fathers involved, multiple mothers with different mothers with kids by different fathers. It is utter chaos. These kids are going out and willy nilly spraying gunfire across sidewalks. The problem is socialization and a, a Im, Im, lack of impulse control. It has nothing to do with the type of firearm that they have access to. This is the constant faint of, of the progressive left. They don't want to talk about the cultural breakdown that is leading to inner city violence, that is leading to the fact that blacks die of homicide between the ages of 10 and 34 at 13 times the rate of whites. That is a civil rights problem. Who's killing them? Not the cops, not whites, but other blacks, because the black homicide rate is equally disproportionate. It's about 13 times that of the white homicide rate. That is the problem that we have to focus on by talking about families, by talking about no longer embracing the anti-acting white ethic, by no longer embracing an oppositional culture, by teaching students to respect their teachers, American history. Yes, of course we learn about slavery, of course we learn about segregation, but we also have to learn about the efforts of this country and its ideals, which now result in millions of third world people of color trying to get into this country by any means possible. The left has to explain that. If this is such an oppressive white supremacist place, why are people of color the world over trying to get in? And why is the left encouraging them to do so? That is an even greater mystery. Heather, always appreciate the perspective. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, bye. All right, a state lawmaker is blowing the whistle on New Jersey's new sex curriculum, which appears to include a video encur encouraging young students to watch pornography. We have the video in Quick Hits. Stay with us. New Jersey's new sex curriculum points elementary school students to videos that encourage them to watch pornography. Oh, and more evidence that mask mandates are causing mental illness. Well, there's a lot of that. Those stories on Quick Hits, let's get to it. I mean, this is remarkable. New Jersey's uh, new sex ed curriculum points elementary school students, elementary school students, who watch videos from an organization called Amaze. This is one of, those, one of their videos which tells nine-year-olds that they should be watching pornography. Is it normal to watch porn? Hashtag Ask Amaze. Yes. 
It's normal. Lots of people watch porn. After all, it's right there and it's free. And anyway, many people are curious about this sex stuff. But, and it's a big but, remember, porn is not real. It's just a fantasy, like, uh, like superheroes movies. Bodies don't look like those in porn movies. In general, everything is exaggerated. And sex, it often looks very different in real life. So don't expect your own body or sex life once you have one to look anything like what you see in porn. Or to sound like it either. Nine-year-olds? Okay. The current mask mandate sign at Chelsea Piers in New York City, it reads, masks required only for children two to four. Just to remind everybody, there's a little mask, Chelsea Piers. You get a sense of just how stupid this is. Only little kids wear masks now. Those who are least at risk and least likely to spread the disease of any age group. We have it exactly ass backwards here, okay? Absurd. But this is where we are. And it's because of lib lunatics. Here's a student recording himself in a car and saying he had to pull over on his way to school because he had a panic attack because the school wasn't requiring masks. Watch. Um, I was on my way to school and had to pull over because I started panicking. And that's because starting today, my school is allowing people to go indoors without wearing masks or any sort of facial protection. And that fucking terrifies me. And it should terrify you too because this pandemic is not over. It is so, so far from over. I actually feel badly for people like that. He has mental illness. I mean, he has an anxiety disorder and he thinks that it's, it's based in the pandemic, but it's actually just in his own mind. And uh, get ready for terrible inflation tomorrow. Here's Saki telling you it's coming. Watch. So because of the actions we've taken to address uh, Putin, the Putin price hike, we are in a better place than we were last month. Um, but we expect March CPA, CPI headline inflation to be extraordinarily elevated due to Putin's price hike. And we expect a large difference between core and headline inflation reflecting the global disruptions in energy and food markets. So core infl inflation doesn't include energy and food prices. Uh, headline inflation does. And of course, we know that core inflation, you know, energy, the impact of energy, of course, on oil prices, gas prices, we expect that to uh, continue to reflect what we've seen uh, the increases be over the course of this invasion. <laughs> the Putin price hike. I mean, she really is shameless. As ever tonight's Hold the Line, the No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high. There's a battle going on right now that may be the most important fight our country's had since the Revolutionary War. Once again, it's about our freedom. People like you and me are being canceled, our speech increasingly censored by big tech and corporate media. Can't let that happen. Time to fight back. Please stand with us and support The First TV. Be a part of our team dedicated to preserving the very essence of who we are, free Americans. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest Toothpaste, Secret Deodorant, 
Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation supports America's greatest heroes, our service members, and first responders who die or are severely injured in the line of duty, as well as homeless veterans. These are heroes we all owe a debt of gratitude to. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responders, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us. We're honoring the men and women who risk their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Not to mention there are dozens of golf outings and barbecues. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. He was called Mal Evans. He was on roadie. And uh, <clears throat> I was coming back on the plane. And he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. I said, what? Sergeant Pepper. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.